Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Okay, all you crazy cool families out there, um, I am so excited to continue with our Fight for Family podcast series, and um, today we're going to talk about fighting for your marriage, and specifically, I have invited just a dear friend of mine, Ann Evans, that, oh gosh, I felt like we met back, what, 1910? I mean, I don't know when it was, that... Um, Ann and Tim came to our church and did a marriage seminar, and I have just been a groupie of theirs ever since. And so Ann is going to talk to us um, about unity in marriage. I would say that she is an expert, and we get questions all the time. What do I do when or if, you know, me and my husband are not on the same page, or we can't make a decision together, or we don't, we don't believe the same things? And I just thought, you know what, I think Ann would be perfect to walk us through what it looks like to build unity. And so before we get started into all the good stuff where you're going to empower and equip us and we're going to have the most amazing marriages ever after this, um, Anne, will you just tell us a little bit about your ministry? Oh, absolutely. And thanks for that introduction. I don't know if I'm an expert. Let's say I'm an expert in the front lines with everyone listening, wanting unity more than anything. Um, so real life ministries, my husband and I never started out to do a ministry. Uh, when we got married, he was a fireman. I was a nurse. We got invited in our first year to uh, a local church that was meeting in a movie theater. Neither one of us were looking to attend a new church, but I was a conflict avoider and I didn't want to tell my, my sister-in-law to be no. So I said, yes, <laughs> what I heard at that church service literally changed the trajectory of our lives. I, I won't get into that right now, but because of that first visit to the church, we ended up uh, becoming a part of that church. And somewhere in those first few years, we decided to give our time, talents, and treasures back to the church. And because we, our jobs already separated us with shift work as a fireman and a nurse, uh, we kind of said, what could we volunteer for a church that, that would keep both of us together instead of separating us? And that was marriage ministry. So we dove in head first, started to do premarital counseling. We were maybe 10 years ahead of the kids that we were counseling. And then we ended up doing <laughs> workshops and one thing grew into the next. And, you know, Suzanne, God taught us so much in those years. He so gave us a foundation for marriage personally that um, I think we wanted to give back. And my husband always said, I think one day that God is going to open up a door for us to leave our jobs and do this full time. And that came to pass. We did end up doing it full time. So there's nothing I love doing more than encouraging couples. There's no place I'd rather be more than here today talking to you. So uh, that's Real Life Ministries. And here I am. I love it. I love this. Well, um, just to just to give our um, our listeners just a little bit of background, talk, tell us what happened about a year and a half ago with your partner in ministry. Oh, my goodness. A year and a half ago, I was turning 65 and Tim passed away very suddenly without any. I was in in the middle of a conversation with him when he his head went back and he literally went home to be with the Lord. The only way that I could describe that to the kids was to say he was literally raptured. He was with me one minute and he was gone the next. So here I am a year and a half later trying to find my way. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tim and I built such a strong foundation with the Lord and with each other. It's almost like even though he's not here with me today, I can hear his voice. I know what he would be saying. Yeah. He would yeah. Be, uh, cheering every listener on and encouraging them. Uh, with unity, which I am experiencing at a way higher level now. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love that. And so for a year and a half, you know, crazy cool parents, I've thought about Anne and I've thought about Tim and I've thought about their ministry and I've thought about even doing crazy cool ministry on my own without Dawn. And I think I would just curl up in a ball and quit. And so I just want to say well done, Anne, for carrying on the legacy that you and Tim have created. 
I mean, well done for continuing to do it and making it happen and, and making the, finishing the book that you guys, the last book that you guys have started. And oh gosh, and, thank you so much. And I, I do, I receive that, but I, I really have to say, even when you say you don't know how you do it without uh, Don, I don't know that any of us know the future or how we would respond to things. But that's another reason why we want to keep cheering you on as older and wiser people in your lives to keep nurturing your relationship with the Lord, because literally it's the Lord through me that's doing it. I'm not doing anything except depending on the foundation that we spent years building because we knew, um, you know, in the book of James, it doesn't say when you experience trials and troubles. It's, you know, you will. We all Right. If, yeah, oh, when, uh, yeah. yeah it, it, you know, not if, but when. And so um, when my rogue wind came, it was the absolute last thing that I was expecting. But God, um, God has really been faithful. He's been faithful. Not to say it's not the hardest uh, journey I've ever had, but um, I, I, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it because God's going to get me there. So day by day, just like all of you listeners, whatever you're struggling with, it might not be to that level of loss, but um, we can only do things step by step, just one step at a time, do the next right thing, do the next right thing. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And so to talk about real life ministries, to talk about some of the books and show us the books that they've written, their next steps that they've done along the way is they've written six. Oh, let's say I've got how many books do you have there? One, two, three, four, five. Five. five here. And we've got forgiveness hasn't yet come out. So That's the sixth one. Yeah, it's the sixth one. And we've just recently together was one of our first books. And this is really the the doctrinal foundation behind marriage. This isn't an easy read. It's more like a textbook that you want to keep a reference to. But um, this is recently, it's going to be coming out in Spanish in the next six months. So, um, and hopefully the other books to follow will have a wider audience if they come out in Spanish. But yeah, this is our legacy. This is what God said. Give me just a sentence or two about each one. So that one's, that one's the textbook. That's the foundation. Uh, Naked is all the things that you may be, want to read about or you're questioning or you're wondering and we just uh early in our ministry we got in charge of leading the um teaching and sexuality and we said to the leaders why us and they said well you're a fireman you're a nurse you know how to pronounce the words you're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. so again god really blessed us because he challenged us to look at our uh sexual life and you can't teach an audience unless you're doing things yourself and doing the hard work that you're suggesting to others so that's naked soulgasm is um come on don't you love that title i love that title i lo- it's just like a yeah i, love, I love that title too and it, it's uh nurturing your souls like there's more to marriage than just raising kids and it's nurturing your dreams, going back to the things that bring life to you. So soulgasm is one of my favorites. Prayer, uh, Tim and I have always been intercessors at heart. So everything about real life and about our lives is grounded in prayer and communication to me as a textbook. It's all the things um, I did. Communi- we both did communication workshops. And I think that um, if couples can get to a communication workshop, it'll do nothing but help and build their intimacy uh, as one. So that's kind of what we've gotten. And the last one that's on the docket is forgiveness. So forgiveness also foundational, not only uh, to our walk with the Lord, we're here because we were forgiven, but then extending that to our marriage, taking ownership and responsibility for our part. And humbly saying to our spouse, wow, I'm sorry for name the offense. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Yeah. So we say all the time at Crazy Cool Family that forgiveness is actually a superpower. And when it comes to relationships, because it just connects it, it's almost like it erases all the garbage around the situation and it comes back in and it fills it full of grace, love, mercy, you know, all the things of God things, if you will, because forgiveness, it's a God thing. We actually can't do the forgiveness on our own is what I've found. I need God's help to do that. And when I invite him in and he gives that to me and then I extend that to others, I become part of the supernatural. So 
That's such a great way of, uh, of describing it, Suzanne, because for a lot of people, when they first learn about forgiveness, it's like a shame issue for them to, to realize that they've done something wrong or to say it out loud. And so we do a lot of tiptoeing around apologizing. And I think that uh, that's just an area of growth for all of us individually, that it's okay to be wrong and there's no shame in it, that it is a superpower. And if we get past our pride and our shame, we can actually get to the other side. Yes, I agree. Moves it out of the way. Just gets all the stuff that doesn't need to be there out of the way and it creates a pathway. I love that. Okay, so what I want to talk about with you today is how how do we best fight for our marriage? And the, the word that comes to mind that I want us to talk about is unity. And so how did you, how do you build unity? How do you counsel people? How did you teach, you know, all the families, all the marriages that you've been in front of? How did you, how do you, what are some practical things to do when it comes to unity, getting on the same page? Wow, that that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> that's a million dollar question. And it's something that when you get married, uh, of course you want a, uh, um, a relationship with your spouse that's united. Of course, you want to be on the same page. And a lot of time in that honeymoon period, uh, negotiating all those uh, decisions sometimes come rather easily. But then when you get married, and uh, I like to say when the honeymoon's over, when you sober it up a little bit, meaning getting back into real life, hoping, hopefully the honeymoon is never over. But um, I think for Tim and I, it wasn't until seven years. That might sound like a long time to some of you, but it took me seven years to really feel comfortable and safe enough in my marriage, even though we had a very good marriage, for me to say to him, you know, I don't really agree with that. I don't think that way. I'm very much a conflict avoider by nature. Um, I didn't grow up in a house where I saw conflict. I didn't see it done well when I saw it done outside my home. And I think I made some kind of a vow like, okay, don't do that. Well, okay, don't do those destructive things, but definitely enter into conflict with people. Conflict doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be neutral, depending on how we um, wrap it. So gosh, how do we start with unity? One of the things that I want to start out by saying that I think is a misconception is, I think we work so hard to be on the same page as our spouse. That's a good thing. But what we really need to work hard on is being on the same page as God. Be united first with God and then united with one another. I think we shoot for one another first and leave God out of it. So one of the basic foundations for living in unity with one another is our relationship with the Lord. Are we listening to God? Do we invite him into our process? Um, we've got a sign that we give people sometimes it's IOTL and it stands for inquire of the Lord. Mm. So we say to people all the time, have you IOTL about that? Like, have you asked God about it? Because, you know, it says in scripture, there's a way that seems right to a man whose way ends in death. So I can actually be on the same page as, as my spouse and we can be in complete agreement and we can be heading in the wrong direction because it's not a godly or wise decision. You know, so I, I just want to encourage everybody that unity with our spouse, of course, is the cherry on the cake, but unity with God is the foundation from which that comes. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so what I think I'm hearing you say is when there's unity with God, then it's not so hard to have that unity with your spouse. It, it, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that it comes easy because you've got two sinful creatures, two sinful, selfish people. But it does feel like that if they're both if we're both lined up, then this seems like that would make this better. Is that yeah, and I and you're right. Let's not make it sound easy because we're still humans. And um, it says in Hebrews, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So in other words, God is still speaking. Mm. I don't think I always recognized that that small, still voice was the Lord. So that was a learning curve for me to even learn how to listen to the Lord. Like, oh, is yeah. that God? And one of the ways that I, uh, we wrote up a list about decision-making and there was a few principles connected to it. How do I know that's God? It's like, well, God wouldn't tell me something that wasn't in agreement with the principles in the Bible. So in other words, that small, still voice I'm hearing isn't gonna contradict scripture. Right. Um, 
it's probably going to be a decision that other people affirm me in. So I always, in, in the bigger things, Tim and I always had like a group of people that we brought our decisions to. Not that they were in charge of deciding for us, but we'd say, hey, Don, hey, Suzanne, would you just pray about it? And do you have any checks about this? We're thinking about buying a house. And um, so it's always good to be live in the context of community where you're supported mm -hmm. by other people. So uh, definitely praying, making sure that it doesn't contradict contradict scripture, Yeah, making sure that there's a community that supports you um, and starting there as a basis. So that brings the challenge. Well, what if it is, what's, if we're not that mature in the Lord, it's like, well, that's where you want to start as a couple. You want to say, do we really want the kind of unity that's going to take us into years of marriage and it's going to give us what we need as a couple, then we're going to have to learn how to include God and early in our marriage, that's when Tim and I started getting into the scriptures and signing up for Bible studies and really trying to gather all the things around us that would make up make us as um, connected to God and one another as we knew how. We were just learning. We were just young. And so I know that God is such a good father. He honors the intention of our heart. And you move like one step toward a good father and he runs toward you. Right. So... I also don't want to make that sound complicated or hard as if it's something that's going to take years to do. I don't think being in a relationship with God is hard. I think he's a good, good father. And that's so good. And you said something and I want you to just maybe be real practical because I think that the, the generations that are coming up, they might not even know when you said get into scriptures, what did that look like for you and Tim in those early years? I mean, what did, what, what did that look like? Well, I got to tell you a funny story because <laughs> I grew up in a traditional church home. We always went to church and never read the Bible. We had a Bible that was like a big one. Right. Uh, that we on that I don't know that we wanted everybody that walked in to know that we we're religious I'm not really sure what the <laughs> but when I got to Bible study I saw that all the women in the study had like worn Bibles and magic marker and highlights all over and here's me with my brand new a living Bible which I don't think at the time maybe that was like the most the best translation. I'm oh, sure. Whatever that means. <laughs> no, my, my mom had one of those too. Yeah. Green. It was like olive green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I quickly, you know, with my shame, I went quickly covered it with a quilted cover and I went home at night and I started highlighting it all. And Tim said, what are you doing? Like, I'm, like, I'm sitting next to him. And I want to act like I've read this before. So so I literally just signed up for a Bible study, very ashamed that I didn't know, hoping that no one would ask me a question or ask me. I didn't know Old Testament, New Testament, but all those things that I learned along the way. And I think God just honored my intention. Just the fact that I showed up, he was thrilled that I showed up. Think about a good father, you as a parent, how you're thrilled when your kids show the slightest movement toward you. And um so one of my prayers early on was that, Lord, would you make up for all the years that I've lost? Like, would you literally, um, like when you get on an airplane and you go from, you know, Chicago or Colorado to Texas in an hour, would you make it that quick in the spirit realm? Would you take me from here to there? And God has been faithful to uh, grow me up over the years and um, to connect me with wise people and to put me in communities. And he's given me a heart where I've always been teachable. I'm always hungry to learn. Oh, I love that. I love that. Did you hear that crazy cool parents out there? It doesn't matter where you start, when you start getting into your Bible, just open it up. And I love that. I love the prayer. Catapult me, you know, multiply my wisdom, multiply the influence, the people in my life. Give me the wise people. I think that that's that's brilliant. I think that that's brilliant. And so don't be, don't be overwhelmed. And I have a very similar story to yours as well. That's exactly, I had no idea that there was a new Testament and old Testament. I had no idea that there were books in the Bible. And that when you read the gospels, it's like, why are they repeating themselves? I mean, that's, that's the same story. Why am I reading it again and again and again? And so it, it is, it is a, um, 
It is a book to get to learn. But my favorite thing that you said in that is that you you were a learner. You wanted to learn and to have the heart to learn. And so, moms, if you don't feel like you have the time or the motivation, ask God to give that to you. He is faithful and he will. He'll give you the space and the time and the desire to be a learner when it comes to God's word. And I do think that I don't even know this. It seems like in this day and age, we're just getting further and further away from scripture. And I think it started back when they took it out of schools. I mean, then we weren't even educated in it at all or exposed to it at all. And so I think that that's beautiful. Okay. So something else, what, what's another way that we can. I wanted to say this about um, when we first signed up for our first Bible study, we went to an older man's house and it, it, when I was like 23 at the time, I thought he was just like archaic. He was like 65 years old. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> but he, um, he sat in front of us and he said, I just have two requirements to be in the group. You need to be teachable. And that means you, you need to have the posture that you've got something to learn. I don't need anybody at the table that thinks they know it all. So you need to be teachable and you need to be available. If you're not available to show up for the group, um, there's a trust that's built around the table with all of us. And as we tell stories, if you're not here, it's hard to catch up. So I always held on to those two things throughout my life. And it became a prayer, Suzanne. Lord, keep me teachable and make me available so that my priority is you. It's not, can I fit you in? When I can fit yeah. you in, but can I prioritize you? And if I do that for you, would you catapult me? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so, yeah, to, yeah, to be teachable and available. <sighs> so in terms of unity, there's just so many things that couples are in disunity about in different degrees, like from mild tension all the way to completely disconnected. But I mean, couples come in the office and they're like, wow, we don't agree on lifestyle things like how to manage our time, how to manage our finances, what house to buy, um, what to eat, what to drink, how long to sleep, what TV shows to watch. I mean, it can be it can be anything right that we are in disagreement with. And it's not enough to break the marriage or to but it's enough to keep you slightly tense <laughs> and uh, spiritual differences like. Um, what church do we go to? Do we go to church? What denomination? Um, uh, does that church- or What do we teach our kids? I mean, that's one of the things we get all the time. What do we teach our kids? So yeah. Kids and what does the church represent? And uh, does, you know, and then cultural uh, norms in a church like dancing, drinking, swearing, all the little, what we always say to couples is, wow, those are so many questions. I want you to think of it. Let, let's let's dummy that down a little bit and make it a little bit easier and say, are those, we've got absolutes in our lives and we've got preferences. So for me, the absolute is, I believe in the life, death, uh, in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I yeah. believe in the salvation of sins. I believe that there's one God, the triune God. Those are absolutes for me. Just about everything else is a preference. So whatever church we go to, if it's Bible believing, um, whether we're adult baptism or infant baptism, whether we're dunked or dipped, yeah, uh, yeah. Gosh, whether we do contemporary worship or um, traditional worship, those are all things that we can negotiate together. I think that sometimes couples treat preferences as if they're absolutes and they get so worked up about them and they cause so much disunity when if you just step back and say, this isn't an issue of salvation, this is just a preference. So as long as it's a preference, let's look at the two of you individually and tell me what it looks like in your home when you're in disagreement. What, what does that look like? How do the two of you argue? How do you disagree? And you know, Suzanne, there's so much work that needs to be done on us individually. Mm -hmm. When I started marriage with Tim, I was a conflict avoider. I didn't know how to argue well. I didn't really know how to tell him what I needed. I thought that um, if I manipulated him, like, and that sounds like such a bad word, but if I just spun it a certain way, maybe I'd get what I wanted. But it, like as time passed and, uh, you know, I was like five, six, seven years into marriage and I was learning more about God, I was learning I really needed to get a hold of my voice and I really needed to stand strong for who I was. 
and not in a disrespectful, shameful way. But it's so important for couples to say, even as you're listening to me, what does it look like in our home for the two of us to disagree? Are we like, you know, aggressively saying things that we wish we hadn't and pulling it back in? Or are we retaliating the other way and avoiding it? And Lord, could you teach me how to get somewhere in the middle? It's good. Uh, Tim and I started to go to workshops. We were big on submitting ourselves to teachers. Um, we signed up for counselors. Uh, we learned how to communicate better. Um, I learned that conflict didn't have to be negative. This sounds funny, but this is how basic it was for me because I was such a conflict avoider. I took a notebook and a pen of paper and I would write the things that I wanted to say to Tim. And Tim was very much an outward processor. He yeah. would say it out loud and then take it all back in. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're not supposed to put all that out there and then bring it back in. <laughs> so I would say to him, all right, I'm going to go first. I have some things that I want to say to you. And Tim, what I want you to do is just to listen. I don't want you to respond. I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to give me solution. So he'd be like, really, you're going to read off a paper? And I'm like, yeah, I just, because I get flustered and I, I can't. So I would just tell him everything that I wanted to communicate. And then I would say, could you just reflect back to me what you just heard? Oh, good. Kind of roll his eyes and he'd be like, oh my gosh. All right. Well, I think we both heard what you just said, but I did it. And so we had fun with it. We would laugh about it. But those were the early days of us learning how to be in unity. First, we had to learn how to talk to each other. First, we had to learn how to manage our emotions. Uh, first, we had to learn how to pick the right time to have serious conversations. I think sometimes we set ourselves up for failure yeah. by not paying attention to the, to the obvious weaknesses that we have and not paying attention to those things first before we head into these big discussions. So... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I absolutely love that. And what I love about that is that you didn't expect him to speak to you. You told him what you needed. Like you identified what was going to be best for you. You, Like you said, you identified your weaknesses. You identified what you, how you were going to compensate for those weaknesses by writing them all down and then by sharing them. And then what I love is you laid your boundaries out. And I need to say all this to you before you say anything back to me. And then I'd like you to reflect back. I mean, I, I love all of that because you honored and valued yourself. You extended respect to him. You invited him in to get to know you. I mean, I love all of that but you also gave him a place to win I mean and that's what our husbands want they want to win when in our relationship they just might not know how and if we don't know how with ourselves then how in the world are they going to know how and so I, yeah I love it that you explained all that to us that's so good mamas did you hear that or wives did you hear that so good well, we're talking about the topic of unity but I'm telling you about some skills that I needed to develop before I could really tackle the unity thing. So I think it's really important to take a close look at yourself to, you know, the scriptures say, examine yourself, not for the purpose of navel gazing or to be narcissistic, but for the purpose of knowing what your weaknesses and strengths are. Like, you know, if you come from a family of origin where it's difficult to have conflict, you might want to talk to somebody about that and do some of your own individual work. You might want to read a book on communication or uh, do some online courses and just develop that inner core. Those are all the things that we suggest. Those are the things that we do in counseling. And then when you get to the point of having a discussion, it goes so much better. You don't set yourself up for failure. And when I say it goes so much better, I don't mean that you get what you want because I can do all the right things with my spouse. I can deliver it the right way. I can pray about it. I can include God and there's still going to be an argument. There's still going to be a disagreement. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets back to. Am I firmly grounded to God? Like, can I run back to him and say, Lord, even if Tim doesn't understand, even if he doesn't receive the message, even if he isn't in agreement with it, have you got my back? And when you've got that relationship with the Lord, that your identity is secure, regardless of how the message is received, that's when you really start making progress as a couple, because it's no longer dependent on your spouse's response. 
Mm -hmm. You don't get your identity from how your spouse responds. That's up to them and the Lord. So I know I didn't know that when I first got married. I know I didn't know that unity with Tim meant unity first with God and being secure with him so I could go to Tim and share with them the things that I wanted and we could work through those things together. Yeah, I love that. And the picture that I get while you're talking about that is us just getting filled up with God so that we're full so then we can love fully our spouse. And I think that, I mean, I know for sure for me and you said it, and I know for so many others that a lot of the times we're expecting to be filled up by our spouse, you know, just, you know, I get, give, get, I need this from you. I need this from you. And if they're not filled up by God and I'm not filled up by God, then we're basically two empty vessels trying to pour into each other, which is impossible. I mean, physically impossible. And so I, just, I love that. I love that. I just love the key. The unity is about you and God. And then it overflows into the other relationships. And also sometimes when you talk about things and you spread it out and talk about it in chunks, it starts to sound complicated I never want uh, this to sound complicated because I think, again, I want to say that when you just take one step toward God, he takes 10 steps toward you. And I think the same is with your spouse. If you're just trying, you're just showing him that you're trying. Like, you know, like I would, I would say to Tim, one of the things I really want to work on is the way that I deliver a message because I think that I deliver it with such intensity that it scares you away, or it makes you feel like I'm talking about your identity instead of uh, just describing a behavior that bothers me. It's not who you are, it's just something that you did. So I need to differentiate between those. And I think that when I just laid that out for Tim, he received that like, wow, you are really trying hard Mm -hmm. to deliver it in a way. And that makes me happy and that makes me wanna listen. And, you know, love can, cover a multitude of sins like we can be so imperfect in the process so don't even be discouraged by hearing the steps that it took because um it was a joyful process when I look back because I knew I was growing and becoming the person that I wanted to be Mm, Uh, you know in Corinthians where it talks about the love chapter we're all familiar with that it said you know it says you know, if we speak with a tongue of angels, uh, like if we speak with power, if we give to the poor, if we do all these amazing things, but we don't have love, uh, we're like a clanging gong or a cymbal. And that overriding principle of love throughout um, the Bible is really what we want to hold on to as we're communicating with our spouse. No matter if it's something as small as um, how to discipline the children, to something big, like different belief systems. It's still the overriding principle of love. No, that is so, that is so good. I agree. And that just, yeah, it feels like you just take a big lofty idea of unity and you boil it down to love. I mean, how do I, how do I love in this situation? How do I love in the differences? How do I love in the way we, you know, are, are, are viewing or our perspective on this situation? How do I love in that? Wow. And, you know, uh, love, it reminds me of the hippie 60s word, like everything is just peace and love. And it sounds like a big word that's very hard to do because we don't have the tools sometimes to love our spouse. We're either um, angry or we're pulled back. We're afraid to really express. Maybe we don't feel like we're good conversationalists or we don't have the words So I'm saying there's a lot of areas to grow in. When we talk about disunity, I think sometimes a husband or wife will come in and say, my spouse is on a different page about what church we want to go to. And I think they're expecting to walk out of the office with some tip tool or technique that I can give them to change their spouse. Yeah, a magic sentence that you can say that they, yes, yes. Actually, uh, I don't really talk too much about what they need to say, or and I don't have any magic pills to offer, but what I do say is, tell me what it's like. It, like, let me be a little fly on the wall. What does it look like when you're engaging in these discussions with your wife? What does it look like? And does any part of your message 
Uh, is it communicated in a way that's so negative, it's hard for your spouse to even grab hold of what you're saying because they're so offended by your delivery or your lack of delivery? So why don't we work on that for a while and kind of put the what church are we going to go to on the back burner? And if you can learn a few lessons around good communication, then you can really focus on the real discussion, which is now what church do we want to go to? Now that we're not toxically offending one another or um, missing each other. Yeah, no, I love that. And so what I'm hearing you say is it's actually not the topic at all. The topic is is neutral, if you will. It's the it's the communication along the way um, that ne- that we need to work on. I mean, that we need to pay attention to from how, like you said, how we're delivering it and or how we're receiving it even. So much. And something as simple, let's lose, use the church example where um, in a negative way, you come home and I, and I say to Tim, you know, it, it really upsets me that you're not going to church because I'm taking the kids to church. And I was talking to the girls in the Bible study and all their husbands go to church. And, you know, like, here's a scripture. It, it, God's even saying like, okay, like if you don't believe the girls in the Bible study, God is <laughs> saying. And so really that whole delivery is turning into a shaming event for my spouse. It's about what he's not what he's not doing right, what he's not doing well. Now, what if I got some tools and I got some keys and I actually felt the same way about it, but I started by going over my spouse's head and saying, Lord, would you prepare me for this discussion? Because it's important to me and I'm not really good at this and I'm never gonna do it perfectly, but would you just go before me? I wanna inquire of you and bring you right into the process and you lead, I'll follow. And then you look for your husband to come home. You look for a good time for him to be relaxed, a time that he can hear what you have to say. And you say something more like, Tim, can I talk to you for a minute? I've got something really important to say, and I want to make sure you're in a good place to listen. Would now be a good time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Asking him if he would like to engage with me. And he might say yes or no, or tomorrow's better. But then as I enter the discussion, I might say something like, I've been thinking a lot about church and just how much we have going for us in our marriage. And I, sometimes it scares me when we're not connected as a couple and not doing it together. Cause I so want to be a team with you. And part of being a team and raising the kids includes you because you're such, you have so much to give them. And I know that we have a lot to learn about church, but would you pray about it and just consider coming with me next week? You know, isn't that like a different way of saying the same thing, but I'm being more vulnerable the second time. I'm open, more open to him hurting me because what if he says no? Uh, So sometimes we start on attack mode because we're really scared that the other person is going to, you know, symbolically kick us or say no or reject us. But I'm trusting God in the second example. I'm trusting him. And even if Tim says no, even if he hurts me, even if he laughs or whatever would be my fear, God's got my back. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have that security, that anchor. Otherwise, relationships are just too scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our hearts are so fragile. We so much want to be loved and celebrated. But instead of going to God, we end up manipulating our spouse so that they'll do what we want them to do. And, and maybe they will in the end actually do it, but we're not any closer to each other. We don't feel more connected. We're yeah, because just- they feel manipulated, <laughs> you know, because they 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 feel shamed or whatever going into it. I loved, I loved the second conversation that you had because it was so honoring and it was so valuable. And you used um, questions to, to pursue and you... Um, you invited him in. We're a team. You know, you you wanted him to belong and you showed him in that, like you said, you were vulnerable with your with your words, because I think that, I mean, husbands, they are wired to take care of us. They are wired to protect us. And so when we when we share with them our with our, you know, how we really feel, I think that they, there is something that grabs their attention. It doesn't shut them down like we if when we attack them on the front end of that. 
So that's a beautiful, beautiful dialogue. And it's a beautiful example of the two different ways that we do it. And even the why behind it. I mean, I love the why behind the first one because we're trying to protect ourselves. And the second one, we're wide open. You know, it's like, okay, God, it's me and you, you and me, you know, we're going in together and whatever happens, I still have you. And I'm going to continue, Lord, uh, in my relationship with you, regardless of what my spouse does. I'm going to continue loving you and serving you. And, you know, were you ever in with a group of women and um, talk of, talking about absolutes and preferences? Or I know I experience in the, this in the office where a person will come in and say, uh, well, my spouse is an unbeliever. And so and so that word right away is like, wow, an unbeliever, like meaning he does not believe in God. He does not see um, Jesus Christ as, uh, so yeah, I think sometimes we use the wrong words. What we're really saying is he doesn't want to go to church or he's not in a men's Bible study or he's not leading the family the way I need him to, or he's not, uh, leading with scripture, or praying at the table or all these things that are, some of them are preferences. Um, some of them they saw done in their family of origin. Some of them they didn't. Some they are maturity issues where it's just something they need to grow past and grow into. And so I, I think we need to really identify what it is we're talking about so that we can um, deliver our conversation in a way that honors our spouse. It's not that you're an unbeliever that needs to be saved. That's, that's a whole nother topic. It, it's just, you're not doing things spiritually the way I think they need to be done because I don't know who put me in charge of the right way of things, but in my mind, I am. Yeah. No, that is beautiful clarity. That is beautiful. And I know that we've had, um, a lot of crazy cool family, you know, moms and wives reach out and say, you know, my husband's not a believer. We're not on the same page. Or how do I get, how do I get my husband to, you know, you know, raise our kids, you know, to love God. And so I love that, I love how you've kind of spelled that out. That's like, pay attention. Is it a preference or is it an absolute? I mean, get to the very core of it. And I was even thinking about, you know, identifying your own absolutes, you know, like you were able to just rattle off your absolutes right away. Moms make a list of your absolutes. Dads make a list of your absolutes. I don't know, maybe go out on a date and both of you write a list of your absolutes out. I mean, did you and Tim ever do that? Did y'all ever say, okay, these are my things or did it just kind of evolve? And it just kind of evolved because we were hearing absolutes in the office that we would come home and be like, wow, that's more of a preference for me. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we're two completely different individuals and, um, this isn't the case for Tim and I, but for some of the listeners, they have they've married somebody with a completely different church background. Like yeah. we've married somebody that's from a, a church culture that doesn't dance, doesn't drink, doesn't uh, the clothing that you wear is conservative, uh, and you're from more of a contemporary church. There's going to be a lot of things that feel salvationary, but they're actually preferences. Yeah, and so you know, at best, you can say. When I stood before God and made a covenant with this person, I don't think I realized how much disunity this was going to cause. So shame on me. I was immature in not being able to foresee that. But I made the covenant with God. I, I, I've covenanted to, to, with God and with another person in front of a community. And I'm going to hold marriage to a high value and, you know, if you want to read about um, the Apostle Paul addressing uh, the, the whole issue on marriage, um, go to 1 Corinthians 7. He talks about, um, let me address the unmarried and the widows. You know, if you're not married or if you're a widow, it's best to stay like me, which Paul says single. But if you really need to get married and you're going to burn with passion, go ahead and get married. So in other right. words, that's the second choice. And then he addresses the married people and he says, I'm going to give you instructions, but they're not my instructions. They're from the Lord that you're not to leave your husband. Like when two believers are together, you're not to leave your husband. And if you do decide to leave for some reason, then you leave and you stay unmarried or you reconcile. So those were the two choices you had if you decided to leave. That's the high value. And it's like, why would God put such restrictions on marriage, Suzanne? And I think it's because God's always wooing us back to him. And he's always saying, I didn't do this outline so that you would feel bad about the rules that you couldn't follow. 
But I want you to understand that in marriage, you're going to need me to get through. So I have such a high value of marriage that I don't want you to get remarried. I want you to think about reconciliation and what that's yeah. going to What's that gonna, what, what is that going to cost me to reconcile? Um, what do I have to do? I have to grow. I have to learn. I have to mature. I have to apologize. I have to take responsibility for my part of this story. Yeah. And sacrifice. And, and yeah. I, oh my goodness. Wow. I love that. It just redirects. I mean, for, yeah, it just, it literally redirects that. I, yeah, I have not interpreted that. I haven't de- dove that's probably what i'm looking for dove into scripture to see that that is the either stay single or reconcile don't run to another which makes complete sense because if you're presenting your same self to the next marriage and the next marriage and the next marriage then what's to say that's not going to fail at the different levels that that person's you know where their weaknesses are and so you're taking your baggage along with you so um You know, God really wants us healed. He wants us whole. He wants us connected to him. And I I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 7 because some people read it with a sense of hopelessness if they've been divorced or, and it's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know, or I didn't have a community of people around me, or I didn't know what scripture said. I think that that's another reason why God's like, that's why we need community. That's why we're created in the image of a trusting God to reflect community because we can't do it on our own. We need input. We need people praying for us. We need that older, wiser couple that says, hey, I've been through this. Sit down. I'm going to help you. Let me tell you some of the, we need that community. We can't do it by ourselves. Yeah. And that encouragement along the way. I mean, I, yes, I 100%. And so that, and that's kind of a good spot for us to even wrap up because I mean, that's what crazy cool families here for us to help families, you know, to, it's a, it's a, it's a technological community, if you will. And then you, you have the same thing. You have a ministry, you have a ministry, you've got, you've written resources to help. I mean, now that is not in place of the community that you're talking about. I 100% agree that we have to have the community. We have to have the people, we have to have the living, breathing persons in front of us, But in addition to that, we do get to have, you know, modern technology. We do have, you know, courses and we've done a whole marriage podcast, you know, series last March and you've written six books, you know, on, on marriage and how to, how to interact, how to communicate, how to be together, how to forgive, how to connect your souls and all of that stuff. And so, you know, as I, as I wrap up, I just want to say parents that, um, that marriage, that marriage line that we talk about is worth fighting for. We have to fight for it. It is, it is one of those relationships that because we are so different, because we come together with all of our preferences that we have to, we have to really work for. Don't give up. I mean, the so many words that you said, the, the reconcile, that just is just literally just verbate, verbating, no, not vibrating, whatever it's. <laughs> Reverberating. That's the word. That's the word. Reverberating. Yes. I don't know what it is. My old age, I lose words. They're just gone. But reverberating, re- recon- um, reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. And so that's what I just want to, you know, speak over you, crazy cool families, is your marriages. Reconcile it. Get, you know, get on the same page. And so, Anne, is there anything else that you want to share with our families that you feel like the Lord has for them? I just echo what you say, uh, Suzanne, and for anybody that's in a tough spot, I I just want to really breathe hope and life into you and, and say that again, we have such a good father, you take one step toward him will take 10 steps toward you. And he will always provide your next step. He will always provide if you just have that hungry heart. So just open up your heart to the Lord, plead your case with him, go over your spouse's head and tell him the whole ugly story and he will meet you. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but God is always telling a story through our life. Oh, I love that. Telling a story. Yeah, that's yeah. That's how you open up. And that's, oh, and so this is a quote that I wanted to read. And then I will have Anne pray for us. But this is what the beginning of her books say. Is it in all the books? Because I know that the, the books that I have, it's the, may the God who is both great and good make your marriage stronger and your hearts braver. 
May he create not only a willingness to die for your marriage. I love this part, but also a passion to live for it. I just love that. I just absolutely love that. And so um, I just thank you so much for your time. And, and Anne, it's gotten 40, how many years of marriage have you and Tim had? 43. 43 years of marriage. And so with that experience comes a crazy anointing because she has stepped into helping reconcile marriages. And so God has given her just a, 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 a blessing and anointing on marriage. And so I'm going to have her pray for you guys. But before I do this, I cannot help but say, and I hope you receive this well, but, um, you know, husbands and wives, moms and dads out there, you, our time is limited. We don't know our days. We don't know our minutes here on this earth. And so embrace it. I mean, that's what Tim and I, I mean, Ann and I started talking about at the very beginning, we're both just in tears because she said, I didn't expect it. It didn't happen. And, and I want to tell all the, all the marriages out there, just love them. Just use your time, just pay attention. And so I just want to say that to you too, whatever is in the way, whatever present preferences are getting in the way, think about life and death and think about the time that you have and push those preferences aside and embrace the marriage fight for your marriage. Mm. So, all right, Anne, pray us out. Oh my goodness, that was so good, Suzanne. Lord, you're such a good father. You're such a good father. All the things we talk about with words, Lord, sometimes they sound so complicated when we put words to it, and yet your spirit is so easy. Lord, there's just so much love when we take one step toward you. We receive so much. So Lord, would you literally breathe hope into every listener today? Would you um, give them a vision, Lord, uh, a vision through godly lenses of what their marriage could look like? And Lord, would you give them the strength to do their own work? Not so much focusing on what their spouse needs to do, but who they need to be, a reflection of you. So Lord, I just pray just a measure of blessing and strength over every family. And that, Lord, that uh, the work that they do, that they would realize that they're blessing future generations, that this is a generational blessing that they're passing on. Lord, would you strengthen their marriages? Would you strengthen their hearts? Would you strengthen every part of whatever's broke, Lord? Would you fix whatever's bent? Would you straighten? And Lord, uh, as these couples step into stronger days with greater hope that they would know that they would know that they would know that it's only because of you, a good God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you so much, Anne. Yeah, so good. So um, yes, go connect with Anne at rl, you know, rlministries.com. That's her website, and you can see all of her books there. And um, she's got just yeah, it's a it's a beautiful website. She's got some even some little teaching that the red the the stoplight, the red light, green light, yellow light. And she's got some the um, O I O L T inquire of the Lord. Yeah, she's got that you know a little bit of that on there. And so go check that out. And um, yeah, I just want to say um, thanks, families. If this um, I know that this blessed you, and share it with some of your friends, if they, I just think we all need a good encouragement with marriage. So share this with your friends, share this podcast with your friends and um, fight for your marriage. Go be crazy, crazycoolfamily.com.